Hi, everyone. Um, Y'all are listening to the lender-only call. We are here with Brian Shudo, our amazing coach. He is going to be here today talking to you about facing wells with effective delegation. Um, So throughout, we're going to stop every so often, every 15 minutes or so to look for questions. So please use the Q&A box on the side if you have any. Um, Besides that, Brian, take it away. Awesome. All right. Welcome, everybody that's on the video call today. I'm super excited. Um, This is a theme that Rick and the core are very, very adamant about us pushing uh, to the students. And so I think it's a very applicable theme today. So chasing wells with effective delegation. Um, So before we start, I just wanted to um, give you guys a little bit of background about my story. I think some of you know me, not everybody knows me. I think I've been a coach now for two years, maybe two plus years. Um, and so I got into the core in 2013. I literally had just started, uh, as a loan officer then. Um, Jeremy Forcier was in the core and he was like the top producer in the mortgage company that I was um, being recruited to. And I happened to meet Jeremy and, um, he gave me a, I basically asked him how he was doing the business that he was doing. And I think at that time he was doing like 10 deals a month. And that was like, oh my gosh, Jeremy's doing 10 deals a month. And so I basically asked him, you know, what he was doing, how he was doing. And I had just started. Um, I felt like I couldn't get past two to three loans a month. I was going from, you know, three loans in a month down to one, and then I might get lucky and do four or five and then go back to zero. And so my path was all screwed up. And and so Jeremy was a great, um, he was he was basically a great mentor in giving me a greatness tracker and a CD and telling me that if I really wanted to do amazing things in this business, I should really try to go to this core summit thing. And so it was all foreign to me. So um, he gave my name and number to a recruiter, and the recruiter called me and basically said, um, I, I thought he said, do you want to make $300,000 a year? Because I was making $50,000 a year at that time. And uh, what he really said, I think, was, do you make $300,000 a year? So I'm the guy that Rick talks about um, sometimes when he gets up on stage. Uh, he talks about the guy that snuck into the core. Um, that's me. So I was the guy making fifty thousand dollars when I first started. Uh, my journey in five years went from fifty to two point two five. Rick will tell you two and a half. It was two point two five million uh, in my first five years, and I think really I just attributed it, or I attribute it to being um, a a great student, b extremely coachable, and c surrendering and just doing what I'm told. So being a soldier. Um, and so Rick told me early on, one of the things that I needed to do was get big realtors. And so I needed to put together a list and I needed to call them and go land some big realtors. And so I did that. I mean, I did what I was told. One of my key and core strengths is, um, sales scripting. Um, I'm super fearless. I'm not afraid to call anybody. I'm extremely motivated. I'm a, I consider myself a grappler on the phone, like an MMA guy. Like I don't let the person on the other line uh, get off the phone until I get what I want. And so I, I was pretty good at it. The mistake that I made was I didn't have an amazing team to support me. I didn't have processes. I didn't have structure. I was literally trying to do everything. And so I get a whale or I go land a big realtor 
uh, because I was really good at selling. And I think part of being really good at selling for me, at least in my journey, was over-promising. I was the guy who said I could do everything. Oh, I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. The reality is my mind told me that I could, and I truly believed that I could. But because I didn't have an amazing team that supported me at that time, I just couldn't. I couldn't be all things to all people. Um, my communication time sucked. My processes sucked. I didn't have a wow process um, to really um, set myself apart. I didn't really have a great story. I didn't understand my value. There was a lot of things that were really missing. And so I overpromised to land that initial business. And what I found was it just made things way, way worse because I had 100% attrition early on in, in my journey with the realtors that I landed. Like I would land them, I would do a deal or two, and then I would lose them. I would land them, do a deal or two, and lose them. So it was this perpetual pattern of like, going and getting 10 realtors and losing 10 realtors. And so my business early on really didn't grow that much um, because I just didn't perform. I didn't execute. And frankly, the realtors didn't think that I had integrity because I was over-promising and under-delivering. Under um, so that's my story. Um, it's, I'm going to kind of weave in a little bit of that story in this presentation and why these things are important to know um, and to be aware of. And I think more importantly, like how to understand how we need to effectively be able to delegate um, most of the things in our business to our teams at a high level so that we have the ability to do the hunting, uh, the the a relationship building, the follow through, the communication, the just all the little things that speak to these agents. And I think the moral of the story is most of them work with who they will know, like, and trust. And secondary to that is who's going to perform, get them paid. And I think paramount to them, what in their mind is who's going to treat their clients um, like they expect us to treat their clients or as they would treat their clients. So we'll kind of get into it. I'm going to share a couple of quotes um, and then I'll get started. So these quotes are applicable applicable to me um, and kind of the things that I remind myself um, and I read these things before I make these really difficult cold calls in many cases. So the first quote that I really love is it's a rough road that leads to the heights of greatness. It's a rough road that leads to the height of greatness. I love that one. Um, the second quote that I really love that I'll read before I start my calls is nothing worthwhile or of great value comes easy. So nothing worthwhile or of great value comes easy. And the last quote that I really like to uh, read before I get pumped up and get myself going and calling these wells or prospecting is your success in life is directly correlated to the number of uncomfortable conversations you will have. So your success in life is directly correlated to the number of uncomfortable conversations you will have. And so that's personal stuff um, with family and friends, as well as, you know, professional stuff such as clients, team, et cetera. So it's important that we understand that the uncomfortable uh, conversations are a big part of our journey and our ultimate success. So with that, why do we chase wells? Why, why is it important? Why does Rick want us to chase wells? Why, why is that a directive? I'm not quite sure that it just, it's Rick or our personal coaches that we need um, them to tell us to do that. I think inherently we understand that we want to chase bigger realtors that can send us more business. But the why is, number one, it's where the money is. 
plain and simple. It's where the money is. It's where the business is. Number two, um, we need fewer relationships or fewer of these relationships to do more business. Um, number three, it's easier to manage the fewer relationships. If we get more bigger producers, it's easier to manage um, less people um, that send us more business. It's the 80-20 rule. Um, number four, once you have them, it's easier to leverage their reputation to land more professionals that you're prospecting. So we can name drop or maybe some other agents in our office know that they're using you um, or when agents ask you and it happens when you get these meetings, who else do you work with that I might know? So it's really important that you have some of these relationships that, you know, sometimes you just got to name drop, right? And so they want to know that legitimizes you. So if we can get them, we can leverage those names and that business and their reputation. Um, and then last but not least, in my important number, in my mind, number five, um, these bigger producers typically have more VIP relationships and they can tie us or you into their sphere of influence, right? So they can tie you into their networks. And I think a lot of times when we have these whale relationships, I think we really don't even realize what we have um, or the relationship that we have and how we can leverage that. I think sometimes we are very surface um, driven. Uh, we live in the surface reality and we forget that the business partnerships that we have can open doors, many of their partnerships. And so it's super important. So that's the why. Um, and then whales in particular, like who are they? How do I determine which ones to call? Right. So there's a couple different trains of thought here and and i think some of the bigger producers on this call or some of the bigger producers in the core um will maybe go after uh, whales that include you know maybe people that do 20 or more buy sides a year and that's a considered a whale to them right but they have the capacity to do that they already have some big whales and they're able to leverage those relationships to go get bigger ones but i think in the context of this call in the context of the core in general think a whale can be considered or should be considered uh, a realtor or a any referral partner that can refer you at least 12 closed deals per year. So one per month, right? So what does that look like? Well, in some cases, if they're really awesome professionals um, and they're really, they have amazing relationships with their clients and every single buyer lead or client that they have, they send to you, that client's going to use you 100% of the time. Then we only need somebody that does 12 buy side transactions a year, right? And then we could teach them how to go from 12 to 18 or 12 to 20 or whatever. Um, but in many cases, you know, if a realtor does, you know, I don't know, 18 buy side transactions a year, you might get lucky to get 10 of them because there'll be cash in there. Uh, you'll lose to, a, you know, on rate to a credit union. They'll already have a relationship with a previous lender, friend, or family, um, et cetera. So uh, in my mind, it's any a realtor that has the ability or has closed 12 plus deals per year. Okay. And so you're going to determine which one works best for you. And I'll give you some insight as to like what that might look like for you in particular as we move on. Um, so the bigger your team is and the more capacity that you have, right? The, you could go after the bigger wells. I'm not huge myself on going after monster, monster, monster wells with big, big teams because typically that requires money. Typically that, that requires managing a lot of different buyers, agents, um, 
and it's just really difficult. So I like to focus on the medium size wells. People that do 12 to 20 deals per year really are what I'm personally looking for um, in my prospecting or my lists. Um, so um, the wells, who are they? So number one, they're big producers, right? We just talked about it, big producers. So that includes realtors and or VIPs, right? So VIPs, I've personally discounted VIPs on my journey. That's not anybody's fault but my own. Um, I hear what I want to hear within the core, um, and what I hear is the easiest path to resistance, and that's realtors. Uh, but the reality is there's tons of VIP wells that exist in each of our markets that we're just not focusing on, right? And those include family attorneys, those include financial advisors, and those include C- CPAs, right? But the wells in those categories um, are much diff- much more difficult to understand like which ones really get it. So if you have these initial meetings or you get introduced to these particular professionals, like you need to have a super dedicated meeting with them and truly understand like how many uh, of their clients they refer per year to referral partners such as yourself or opportunities that they haven't, um, that they just haven't had a relationship. So they haven't referred, but they want to. Um, and you really have to drill down on understanding whether or not they will refer, refer you, they'll refer you the right way, um, and uh, they are worth your time, right? So there's a lot of financial advisors, CPAs, and, and things out there, but they're not really competent in understanding how to refer. They want to get referred, but they suck at referring. So don't try to break people and change them. Like you really want to come in and in my mind, you want to break relationships they already have because most likely the relationships they already have, they take for granted. So how are we doing on time? It's, it's uh, 12, 14. All right. So secondly, um, listing agent lottery. So who are they and how I determine which ones to call. So listing agent lottery. I love to call it the lottery because we never know which, properties or escrows our buyers are going to get into. And sometimes we will get lucky. Like if we have 10 escrows, maybe two or three are big time wells or big time agents that we really want to do business with, right? So uh, listing agent lottery, that's a warm, captive opportunity, right? The big producers, the list that we have with big producers oftentimes are cold prospecting. But listing agents, and the listing agent lottery, that's a warm captive audience. It's really your time to shine, wow them, and really uh, implement uh, strategic tactics that are really going to sh- help you and your team uh, get that opportunity. And then last but not least, number three, they're warm introductions. So uh, whales can be warm introductions to VIPs from your database and your current relationships. Okay, so warm introductions to VIPs from your database and current relationships. Those can also include other realtors as well. Um, so with that, does anybody have any questions just on the introduction piece of uh, this presentation? I don't think so. All right. So I am going to move on, guys. So what do we need to do in order to be successful in landing these wells or in our well prospecting journey. And so for me, these things are the most important, right? Number one, um, you, like it's critical that you are super prepared, like ourselves, like do we have the right mindset, right? So mindset's critical. 
So what I mean by that is you must believe that you're better than their current lender and any other lender in your market for that matter. Like you really have to have that belief. And I think a lot of us don't believe that yet. Right. And so early on, I'll tell you guys, I didn't necessarily believe it, but I believe that I could be. Right. I believe that I could be anything that I wanted to be. The problem is I didn't have the system structure to back it up, but I did have that belief. And there's often times like I'll get on a phone and they may say a real or a lender in my market's name. And I'll be like, oh, man, I'm not in the right mindset. I'll be like, oh, man, um, I'm just not going to be able to overcome this today or it's just I've been beat up for the week and I just kind of talk myself out of it. Well, we have to have the right mindset going into every week, anytime that we're going to pick up the phone, anytime that we're going to shoot a video, anytime that we're going to go see somebody, we have to have the right mindset. It doesn't matter who their current lender is, right? We are better. We have to have that belief. Our team is better. We have to have that belief. Okay. So mindset's incredibly important. Uh, the second part of belief is the scarcity element, right? The scarcity mindset element. So nobody else has it like you and your team, whatever it is, like nobody has it. And so in order, um, it, like it's a privilege for them to get the opportunity to work with you. Like that's the mindset you have to have because you're going to provide that value or that thing or you're going to be um, the olive branch that really helps them um, and their business uh, be more efficient. They're going to, you know, it, you're the go-to. You're the solution that they've been waiting for, right, where they don't have to follow up with you. It's just easier working with you and your team. The clients are just more appreciative and gushing over you to them. So, um, again, it's that scarcity tactic. So once they work with you for the first time or you sell that, it's that scarcity. Like they're going to get their socks knocked off by working with you and your team. All right. Um, the second part of self is leadership and delegation. So it's truly paramount to successful land, uh, successfully landing and sustaining uh, whale relationships, right? So if you don't have the ability to be a great leader, not just lead yourself, but leave that realtor, lead their client and delegate to your team and lead your team like you're not going to keep that relationship long if you land it. Right. You're just not because your systems are all going to be screwed up. Your team's going to screw something up. They're going to say the wrong thing. They're not going to follow up when they're supposed to follow up, et cetera. So you have to be able to lead and delegate on a daily basis so that you could go land these wells. Right. So you are only as good as the team that's supporting you. You are only as good as the team that's supporting you. So don't forget or underestimate the value of A plus players. Um, so you can't be in the weeds of the loan process, be putting out fires or have little free time or capacity to do what's needed and maintain these relationships. Right. So you need to be an effective leader, an effective delegator, and make sure your team's performing at a high level so that you really have the focus to manage and maintain and land these bigger relationships, okay? Um, you have to be self-motivated, right? You just do, right? Otherwise, your team needs to have the ability to motivate you on your down days, and that's an A-plus rock star team. Uh, you have to have... Uh, paramount to discipline like you just have to be extremely disciplined 
because if you're going to land a well, it's going to take a rhythm. It's going to take processes and you're going to have to execute and not miss a beat ever, not miss a week, not miss a day. Like if you're going to land these people, you're going to have to commit to the process. Um, energy and preparation before making these calls. Guys, get up, stand up, jump around, do some calf raises, do some jumping jacks. Like get yourself ready, get a cup of coffee, like create your foxhole. So when you start prospecting these people, like don't give yourself a convenient distraction to get up and go to the bathroom or get up and go get snacks or whatever it is. Create your foxhole. You're going to be in there until you're done. So create your foxhole, have everything you need um, to get going. And last is, is consistency, right? We talked about that in the discipline part, but you have to be super consistent. Next, you have to have a team that is rock stars be able to perform. So your team must be a collection of rock stars, okay? Because they're the ones who are going to be interacting with the whale's client. They're the ones who are going to be communicating with the whale. They're the ones who potentially are going to help you land the whale. And I'll talk to you about that in a second. So they must have capacity. So don't go whale hunting if your team's at like on a scale of one to 10, they're on a 12, they're at a 12 every day. Because they're not going to have the capacity to perform if you go land a well and you get that first opportunity. You're going to lose it the first time that you get it. And I'm living an example of that early on in my career. Um, they must have, the team must have the right mindset as it relates to their role in the organization. Okay. They have to have the right mindset. And that starts with you helping them understand what their role is and what the why is behind what you do as a sales organization. So I'll give you a quick analogy, and it, it, it's NASA. When JFK, the race to the moon, um, back in the 60s, there was a, you know, the, a, a sign of power within a country was the ability to put a man on the moon first. That was superiority. If you could do that, there was a big-time race between the United States and Russia. Um, and so President Kennedy went to visit the space station and he was walking down a hall with his delegation, the Secret Service, et cetera. Um, and there was one guy at the end of the hall, and he had a mop and a broom, and he was basically mopping the floors. And then he saw the president walking. He stopped. He stood up. He waited for the president to approach him. And the president basically asked him a question. Um, and, he, and he said, you know, what is your – hi, what is your name and what's your role here? So the, the gentleman told the president his name. Um, the guy was clearly a janitor, right? But he didn't answer that way. Like his answer was, Mr. President, my name is and my role is to put a man on the moon or my job is to put a man on the moon. Right? So he understood his role within the organization. He didn't say I'm a janitor. I clean the halls. I pick up things. I do that. He didn't say that. Um, that's just his role within the organization, but his job was to put a man on the moon. And if he did his role well, his job well, then he, then everybody else, he played defense so everybody else could play offense. So your team needs to have that same mentality. You need to promote that within your team. That goes along with being a leader. Do, does your team understand your why? Do they understand your why? Like they need to, they need to be able to reiterate when these wells, they get up that opportunity. They ask your team questions. They need to be able to rattle off um, your scripts, like your why, the things you want them to understand. Um, and do they feel like they're a part of a, a sales organization or do they feel that they just have a job? There's a massive difference. Okay. Do they feel like they 
understand that they're part of a, a sales organization, their role within it, or do they feel like they just have a job? So you really need to figure that out with you and your personal teams. Um, and I think one of the biggest things within a team is your executive admin assistant. If you have one, like this role is critical because they're going to be talking to these wells often. They may be calling to follow up, um, to uh, confirm a meeting. Um, they may, depending on if you're struggling finding a time to fit into each other's schedules, like they may need to follow up and have that conversation with that well um, to fit them in their schedule. So they have to be personal, kind, and, under, and understand their role if they'll be speaking with these big agents, um, especially when you're not available. Or if that big agent calls in um, to confirm they're going to be picking up the phone half the time on your behalf, and they need to be able to screen these calls effectively and have um, a very high-level representation of you when, when they talk to these opportunities, okay? Um, and then your teams need to have the willingness to do whatever it is that you ask them to do to land these wells, okay? So there's lots of different things that each of you do, but they're going to have to have the willingness and participate in things that make them uncomfortable as well. All right, and lastly, so number one, um, the preparation itself. Number two is team. And last is your systems and processes, right? So they need to be super ironclad if not only um, the prospecting part to get the wells, but also the fulfillment part once you get that first opportunity, okay? So, again, don't go chase the massive ones, right, if you don't have all these things in place because I promise you the massive ones have – Pretty dedicated relationships. The lenders that already service them are probably really, really, really good. And so in order to supersede them or get that first opportunity and then keep that business, you know, all these things are paramount. Um, let's see here. A couple more minutes and I'll stop for some more questions. So where do we start? Where do we start? We have to be prepared. So, um, and you all probably know this. I'm probably preaching to the choir since you're high-level students. But number one, top production list, right? So those can include realtors. They can include VIPs such as financial advisors, CPAs, family attorneys, builders, HR directors. Okay, so you have to have a list that you're working off of. You just do. Um, number two, um, we can start with listing agents, and that's like a big push. If you're being coached right now, coaches are probably – pounding on you to come up with listing agent presentations, getting meetings with listing agents. It's the new 6-8 form, um, so it's really paramount. Um, and I talked about listing agent lottery before. Um, so one of the things that I would do would be to have your team, not you. We talk about the leadership delegation piece, not you. Okay, Your team print out a list of all the listing agents that you closed along with in the last 14 months. Okay, so that'll take you back all the way through 2019 and into the first two months of the year. Okay, so print out that list. Who are you already working with and are, and who are you not? And then what are the production numbers of each? Like which ones are worth prospecting? So I would assume two out of 10, 20% would be worth your while, maybe 10%, but it really just depends on, you know, your market and, and who was on the other side of that transaction. But we need to get this list. Um, and then some past listing agent call tactics. So number one, you can obviously thank them um, for helping you have your best year ever. 
or if it wasn't your best year ever and you have integrity and, and you don't want to lie, like an amazing year. Use marketing fluff. Thank you so much for have, helping me have an amazing year because of people like you, because of transactions like this. I get to pay for my mortgage. I get to feed my family and I get to do some pretty cool things in life, right? Um, let them know that they made a very professional impression on you and your team. Okay. They made a very, uh, professional presentation on your um, impression on you and your team. Okay. So that's a way to edify them and butter them up a little bit. Apologize to them for not following up sooner. And then a little tactic, and, and I'm sure you guys probably all do this, but let them know that you want to drop off a gift that's been sitting on your desk for a long time and you just haven't got around to it. You just haven't had the ability to go call them for whatever reason, but you want to take them a gift. At the very least, if they allow you to bring them a gift, hopefully you will catch them in person and tell them you want five minutes of your time, and hopefully that will turn into 30. Um, so you need to have a three- to four-week campaign, a wow campaign, all detailed and dialed in for your current listing agents during that escrow. You only have three to four weeks really to get that meeting, make a massive impression on them, try to get that meeting to close their business. Um, aside from that, you need to have a 10-week campaign for cold and warm prospects just from your top production lists. Um, so you can get these uh, examples of these campaigns from your concierge if you don't already have them. Oleg has a good one that many of us at the core have used. Uh, Chad Lubin has put together something that's pretty impressive, so you can get Chad Lubin's. There's lots of different examples. Utilize your concierge to get those. Um, and these campaigns, specifically the 10-week campaign, needs to include calls, texts, videos from both you and your team. Yes, you and your team, you're a sales organization. Gifts, CDs, books, visits, that kind of stuff. So it should include all of those things. Um, you need to make sure in your preparation that you have a dedicated day of the week that you time block. And so um, this is for prospecting with them um, and following up with them. And you can never miss a week, right? It goes back to capacity, promises, not over-promising, team delegation, and sales organization. So a dedicated day of the week that you are committed to doing every single week during these campaigns, okay? Or else, you know, that one week that, that you didn't call them, text them, visit them, whatever you're supposed to do could have been the week. Um, let's see. So my opinion is that Mondays and Fridays are the best days to do this. So Mondays, you call, you might call prospect, get them on the phone. Maybe they haven't been able to get to their, hold their current lender all weekend or early that morning. They have some, some people from open houses they met that they need to get pre-approved to make offers on whatever. So you want to be there just in case their other lender isn't. So good opportunity there. And then Fridays are typically our cold call prospecting day. So it's another good day to dedicate for these calls. It's really up to you guys. You could do both. You could do one. Um, and then last but not least, be prepared with events. So when you get them on the phone, right, um, or you're sending a video, you want to have an event that is always around the corner that you can invite them to, right? Like maybe they don't have the capacity to take a meeting, but maybe the event you're doing is right next to their house, right next to their office. Um, maybe they're just the type of realtor that loves their single and they love to go to happy hours. You just never know what's going to speak to them. 
So you want to make sure that you always have an event around the corner that you invite them to, right? And just remember, it's never too early. They can be a prospect and get invited to your event, right? And so if they come, that's a huge score. You're most likely going to be able to land them, especially if you have some good um, interaction with them at that event, okay? So events include um, uh, the core realtor call every month. You can invite them to that. Um, you can invite them to your happy hours, your lunch and learns. I really like inviting a few prospects to our date nights. So we do a date night typically once a month. And last but not least, any appreciation event that you do. Don't hesitate to invite them and their family to your uh, appreciation events. Okay. So any questions yet? It looks like we do have one. So this is from Emil. And Emil asks, if, if a listing agent says they do only listings, no buyer deals, should we pursue them anyway? Like, my opinion is yes, because you never know what's in that treasure chest, right? Who maybe they refer their buyers to. Like, why don't they do buyers? Who on their team does buyers? You know, a lot of times, guys, when they give, when they say that I only do listings, and maybe they do, but typically it's just an objection not to meet with you because those buyers go somewhere. It either goes to somebody on their team and it closes in their name. Um, it goes to potentially their team leader. It goes to a colleague in their brokerage. Um, but they do run across people that need to buy. So personally, I would meet them and figure out what that is and what that looks like. Does that answer your question? because I want an introduction to whoever servicing those buyers, okay? And so if you meet with them and they know, like, and trust you and you know, like, and trust them, like, you can have that relationship with them and, um, and, and you just, again, you never know. So let's see, the next question, what does date night entail? I brought up date night. Um, so Reader's Digest version, date night is something that I came up with because there's more and more and more lenders and realtors that are listening to our core CDs, right? Even if they're not in the core. And so there's, it seems like there's 65 uh, lunch and learns every week and 75 uh, happy hours on Wednesday, Thursday, and Fridays. And there's just so much. Um, and so I just think even though we need to do those things, I wanted to come up with something that was unique and different and more fun where I have an opportunity Get not only my current relationships there uh, where everybody's hairs down, nobody's stressing. We're not really talking business. So I'm just entertaining them and I'm just um, providing some food and drink and getting to know them on a deeper level. So they have to be really good, cool things. And it might be like a wine tasting night or a movie at the winery. So you go and you do wine tasting. And when the sun goes down, you have a big movie theater and you show like under the Tuscan sun or something. We've done that in the past. We've done movie night on the top of buildings in downtown, um, and, and we have, you know, all kinds of awesome chairs and blankets and food that everybody can, can use and watch. Um, we've done date night at movie theaters. We ran out a whole movie theater just for our referral partner, their, their significant others and prospects. So those are some examples of date nights. Like we've, you know, done uh, go-kart racing for date night, right? So just never know. Everybody has a different interest. And so we're just trying to do a lot of different things throughout the year that might speak to some of our agents' interests and their significant others' interests as well as prospects. So hopefully that answers your question. Um, 
And Emil said thanks. So I guess I answered your question. Okay. Um, so types of prospecting, you already know. So cold calls, warm conversations, and videos. So cold calls and videos are pretty self-explanatory. I'm going to talk about warm intros. So I'm a huge believer that everybody knows somebody. And every if I find, I, I can get to who I want typically through a relationship that I already have. And, and a lot of people say the world is tied together by seven degrees of, of separation. So like, you probably know somebody in a small village in Africa through seven levels of, of um, separation. So if I know somebody in Africa in a small tribe because I'm connected to everybody, then it's probably not that many degrees of separation in your own market. Okay, so um, just so you guys know, like ask the current relationships that you already have for introductions to big producers in their office, right? Ask them if they have any amazing financial advisors, CPAs, or family attorneys that they think super highly of, and then ask if they would be willing to introduce you or at least give you their contact number so that you can call and leverage that that current relationship and edify them through that relationship. So I'm a big believer in creating lists through warm introductions. I've been really successful at it. I think we don't do it enough. I think we feel like cold calling is like a badge of honor. So typically we just we we put together a list and we just rough it, man. We just get after it, we grind it, and eventually it'll work. But I'm a big believer that we can also probably find somebody that knows that relationship that we really want to prospect if we work hard enough at it. So and then the the closing percentage is way better. So I want to talk about some do's and don'ts when prospecting whales. Okay, so I'm going to start with the don'ts. So number one, do not disrespect their time. Okay, so be early, ask how much they ask how much time they do have, and then remind them throughout if if you get that uh, meeting, remind them throughout um, the meeting of their time commitment. So usually the commitment, if they say something really short, it's just an objection because they probably don't want to be there anyways. So remind them that, hey, we only have two minutes left. I want to respect your time. And they'll typically say, oh, no, don't worry about it and give you more time. It typically is how it goes. Um, so don't overpromise ever. I talked to you about my overpromising, um, just shortfalls when I first started. Um, I had to, I felt like I could do it. I really couldn't. But guys, know your business, know your capacity, know your team, know your systems, know your structure. And honor that, have integrity behind it, and don't overpromise. Like if realtors asking you to do something, or referral partners asking you to do something, or prospect is that you just don't do it at a super high level, you can ask them why that's important to them. And if they're really dead set on it, like be honest with them, thank them for their time, and just and let them know that's probably not the right time for you to ask for their business, and that's okay. But then you can ask them for names of other um, peers that might. Uh, be a better fit for you based on what you can and can't do. Okay, so it's better to edify them and respectfully let them know that you're not a good fit versus overpromising to get the business. Um, so also make sure that you can perform their top three most important needs from a lender. Make sure you ask them, make sure you can perform. Don't ever, don't ever talk negatively about the current lender that they're working with ever. Okay, so don't ever do that. In fact, edify their current lender. Tell them that you hear great things about them if you don't know them very well. If you do know them, 
like really edify them and tell them how great they are. Um, and let's see. So you're going to want to ask instead of talking negatively about that lender, you're going to want to ask open-ended questions about that lender, like how they met the lender, how long they've been working together, what they love most about their lender in your ears when you ask that question. And then a great way to determine that lender's flaws or what they're not super happy about that lender is by asking, you know, if the realtor had a magic wand and could create the perfect lender, what would that look like? And so instead of saying, like, what don't they do well, just ask if they had a magic wand, they can, you know, create the perfect lender for them and their business, what that would look like. Okay. Um, Next, don't talk about yourself. Okay. Don't be a hero. Like, don't have a story that is all about you and how great you are and all that stuff. Okay. They have their own story. They want to be their own hero. And if you're a hero, you don't fit into that story and they're not going to listen. Okay. So two ears, one mouth. We talk about it all the time at the core. Use them in that order. Um, wait until they ask you questions. Um, and once they do, you know you're winning and can close if you play it right once they start asking those questions. Okay. And last but not least on the don'ts, don't chase whales that you don't have a chance of landing now. Okay, so don't chase wells that you don't have a chance at landing now. So what that means is if a well said that, you know, they're really not interested and they give you valid reasons why they're not going to work with you, like they're married to their lender, it's their best friend, they traveled the world 65 times together in the last 10 years, they were in each other's weddings, like you know, they're, the, the lender's their godparent or whatever, like guys that don't have a badge of honor and think because you're in the core or you're really good that you can break that relationship. Like, pay in tune with what's possible, what's reality, and truly what's not reality. So you should know the difference. And then you can always follow up in six months. You just never know what might happen. But don't chase somebody every week because you had a great meeting, but the, you know, but the reality is you're just not going to get the business, okay? Spend your time prospecting people that you can land business, easier opportunities. Um, Let's see. So if you do that, if you edify their current lender and tell them, obviously, I'm not going to get into the business, I respect that, you know, still send them a thank you card and a gift and acknowledge that you simply appreciated taking the time um, that they met with you and let them know that you respect their decision and who they currently work with. Like, be that person. Be that kind. Like, they will remember that and it will go a long ways in the future. Um, so dues, so find a mutual relationship. So we talked about um, having a mutual realtor relationship, text, email, or call to say and edify you before you go to that meeting or before you call them for the first time. So find a mutual realtor that can edify you and then strategically call that realtor and say, hey, listen, man, I'm prospecting this person. Like, could you do me a huge favor? And just like, can, can you plant a seed for me or can you, can you, Reach out and say, hey, I heard you're about to meet with this guy, with Brian. I just wanted to let you know, man, this guy is a stud, right? He's amazing. His team's amazing. So strategically, you know, have a, a mutual relationship call and set the table for you before you make that first call or you go to that first meeting. Um, and then after the meeting, you can also call or, or, or reach out to that mutual relationship and get the intel 
from them about how that meeting went. And, and the realtors might, maybe they weren't honest with you. Maybe you had a different interpretation of how it went versus the way they felt it went. Okay. Um, so let's see. Um, so next do, so have your admin confirm the meeting. So, uh, this makes you look super professional if you have an executive assistant. Right. So many of these bigger uh, prospective uh, relationships or or prospects, they don't have executive assistants. So immediately it makes you look, you know, bigger than them and super professional. Um, Strategically, you can have the admin strategically edify the well. Right. So an example is, oh, my gosh, Brian had so many great things to say about you and how excited he was to finally get to meet you in person. I'm super excited to set this meeting with you and Brian. and then it's also an opportunity for your admin assistant to, and you can train them to strategically edify you, right? So you're going to love Brian. I don't know how to explain it, but he just is so awesome. He's personable. He's professional. And everybody that we work with just loves him. So I can't wait for you to meet him. So that's a script you could give your executive assistant. You didn't say it. She did, Right. So just make sure that she or he doesn't make it sound scripted, right? Make it be authentic. Role play with them a little bit before they do that. But definitely have your admin assistant call strategically to edify you and them. Um, Another idea or tactic is send a pre-meeting note and gift, right? So you can do a video. You can send a note in the mail. You can send a gift in the mail, right? So pre-meeting note and gift. It's similar to realtors out there that do pre-listing appointments, okay? Um, So get to wherever you're going in advance and order their drink or food for them, right? Um, Always pay, okay? Listen, I shouldn't even have to say it, but listen. Ask the word why as much as you possibly can. Why is, I understand what that means, but why is that important to you, okay? So ask why a lot. Set expectations. So you need to set expectations. Like the reality is you have a team and you shouldn't be ashamed of it. And many objections are going to be like, am I going to be working with you or your team? You have to lead with conviction. You're going to be working with both. Okay. And I want to tell you why that's important. Right. So you need to tell them why it's important. So so what's the benefit in working with you and your team? What's the benefit to them? And what's the benefit to their clients? So just some examples are you, you're more available. The team is more available. You have more bandwidth. It's immediate service. So your client doesn't have to wait six hours to get a call back. They're going to get a call back within an hour, right? So super service oriented, right? Um, give them the conveyor belt analogy if you've ever heard of that before. And I don't have time to go into that, but the conveyor belt analogy. Um, but remind them that you're always involved. So all the benefits, but also that you're always involved. Every day at the team meeting, pipeline meeting, you go through their leads and their active deals. Um, you call them. You call their clients at leads. You call their clients at applications. You do meetings with their clients at application. Pre-approval calls and meetings. New escrows calls. Tuesday updates. Closing calls. Um, post-closing calls. Like all of those things, right? Um, so let them know what the benefit is, and you can let them know my team is highly skilled and trained to get referrals. In fact, we average 10 client current client referrals a month. So if we get a referral, that goes back to you, right? And so remind them of the benefit, okay? Um, next, you need to close hard. 
You need to learn to close hard. Like, again, that grappler analogy. Like, you have to close. Um, you're going to get the objection. you got to reclose, overcome the objection, reclose, overcome the objection, reclose. So make sure that you're on your game as it relates to objections, what to expect, and how to close and continue closing. Um, do give them your personal cell phone. Okay, do give them your personal cell phone. Do a driveway call after the first meeting to let them know how incredibly excited you were and how and thankful you are for that meeting. Again, you just had to call and let them know that you didn't overpromise. You're, you uh, have sincerity behind everything that you talked about. So make sure that you do that. And then an after meeting video. When you get back to the office or even in your car, shoot a video and send it to them as well. So super important things. Those are all dudes. Um, closing techniques. Um, I like to call it untangling the no to get to the yes. So untangling the no to get to the yes. Okay. So here's the way my meeting goes. A lot of people ask me how my meetings go. So it's probably extremely similar to everybody else's in the core because we're all kind of coached the same way. But obviously we edify at the start of the meeting. I always ask, and, I, and this is something I coach my personal students on, but I don't think a lot of people do. I always ask um, right after the edification process, always on a scale of one to ten, um, how likely are they to, if, if this meeting goes well, how likely in their mind were they going to use me anyways if it went well? Like on a scale of one to ten, like I know you probably didn't meet, want to meet with me, but how likely am I, if this meeting goes well, am I to get an opportunity to work with you? And let them answer. Any score is okay. I've gotten zeros before that I've turned into eights or nines by the end of the meeting. Okay, so ask them on a scale of one to ten. That's the way I do it. Okay, any answer is okay. Number three um, within closing techniques is mindset. Okay, so you have to listen to the way that they reply after you edify them. And also after you ask them that question on a one is on a scale one to ten and let them talk, like you have to mentally start to understand how you are going to navigate um, to and how this meeting is going to need to go. You're going to need to be a chameleon in order to get that yes. Okay, so you're going to see the tangle when they talk about it, and you're going to have to strategically in your mind figure out how to untangle that to get to the yes by the end. So number four is uh, ask them their why. It's really big. I always like to ask them their why. Why they get in the business? Why do they do what they do? Why is what they do important? Ask them their why. Then go into Ford, obviously, family, occupation, recreation, dream. So ask them those questions. Um, um, ask them current lender questions, like what do you really love about your lender, your current lender? Like who is it? How long have you been working together? Why do you use them? Ask them all those things. Then do the magic wand. Right. If you had a magic wand, like if you can create the perfect lender, even if it's the one you currently use, like what how would you create the perfect lender? What would that look like? What would they say? What would their team look like? Ask them um, and then edify again before you go for the close. Thank them again for coming. You've heard amazing things about them. You know that their time's extremely valuable. Um, if you have an opportunity, now's the time to tell them your why. OK, tell them your why. Okay, next, state your objective again. So I would state your objective at the very beginning. Let them know, like put the elephant in the room on the table. Like your goal isn't just to meet with them. Your goal is to have an opportunity to work with them. 
or be a lender, if not their number one lender right now, a lender and they're stable to get started. So state your objective again um, when you go for the close. And then at the very end, you have to re-ask, right? Like tell them, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. This meeting was so amazing. Like I just love these things about you because I do these things as well. Like we have the same things in common. I just felt like this meeting went great, but I have to ask you on a scale of one to 10, right? How likely am I to get the next three opportunities, buyer opportunities from you and your team? How likely am I? And listen, I want you to be completely candid with me. Don't hold any punches. Make sure that you're just straightforward with me. Give me a number. I always get the number. And if it's less than a 10, I ask them what it would take to get a 10. Okay. So if the number ends up being a six or below or a five or below after the meeting and they're just not going to come off of it, I'm not going to waste my time following up with them and pretend like I have this badge that tells me that I can magically break a relationship when somebody clearly told me I got no chance, right? Like there's other people that are going to give me a seven or higher. Okay. Um, Quick questions. I have a question. What is a real life example of an agent not being a good fit where it may not be, where it may be best not to partner with them? Number one, their attitude, right? Like, I don't know if they're cursing a lot or if they're saying my all I want to do is make money, money, money. Like you'll see the commission breath ones, right? You don't want to be aligned with somebody that doesn't have integrity, that's going to put your license at risk, that's going to do shady things. Like I certainly would respectfully decline that every time. Number two, like if they say I expect you to you to pick up the call every time I call, like you better pick up the call. And then I'll ask them what they mean by that. And I have had Realtors that say, when I call, don't let my call go to voicemail. And I don't want your team to answer. I want it to be you. Okay. If it's, I want to work with you only, not your team. I don't care how big they are. That's unrealistic. It's just not realistic. So those are some examples. And and I hope that helps. Right. Or that they want money under the table for every deal. I mean, whatever it is, you guys don't be that lender that goes there. All right. So a couple quick things, guys, uh, a book that I think is really appropriate because when you're selling, you need to have value, you need to know your benefits, and you need to have your story brand. So if you've never read the book Story Brand, read your book, right? read that book Story Brand so that you have your story, that you're differentiated, you know what that looks like for you, and you could really sell using your why uh, in the context of your story. Um All right, so last I'm going to close with you guys uh, how to hit a home run when you get an opportunity because you only get one shot on the first opportunity they send you for the most part. So um, some wow tactics that I'm going to give you. Number one, uh, video, What some of the things that I do. I do a video from my team immediately after getting a verbal commitment, like they agree that they're going to try me out. So I send them a video, and then each of my team members send them a video saying, oh, my gosh, Brian, I have great things to say about you. We can't work to you. Hey, my name is Susie, and my top three job duties are this, and you can expect this from me. Once you send over your first lead, here's what I do. So now they could put a face to a name with your team. It's an extra wow thing. They're like, whoa, this guy has the stuff dialed. His team's dialed. They're on the same page. Like, wow, I'm going to be lucky to work with this team, right? Um, you can, another wow tactic is you can mail a welcome packet. We talked about that if it's a listing agent. 
So I always mail a welcome packet to them. It includes a bio about you, your accomplishments, um, your promises, like what they are, as an example, closing on time every time, exceptional client experience, and then potentially four proven tactics to get their buyers to qualify for more. Um, and then whatever those tactics are for you, an example is an MCC tax credit, but you don't ever have to tell them what your tactics are. You can just say you have four proven tactics. Um, you're going to want to include testimonials um, from your current agents that you work with in that packet. So use the big, biggest agent names or brokers that you currently work with in there. Get testimonials from them. Put it on a piece of paper. Get it in that intro packet. Um, and then also include testimonials from closed buyers. Right. So these are all things while they're not talking to you, you're not selling this stuff. They're reading these things about you. Um, you can deliver a loan approval in person. That's a Jimmy Reed tactic. Um, you can have any team members that speak with the listing agent during the transaction, write them thank you letters to let them know how much they enjoy and appreciate working with them and edify them. Oh, my gosh, you're such an amazing professional. We just love I just love working with you. Um, so they can, your team can send thank you letters. And then once you get the first opportunity or lead, you guys, um, you only get one shot. So you have to score big. Make it feel like Disneyland to that agent. Make, make it feel magical, different, refreshing, exciting, clean, and stress-free. Um, loan officers should send a video to the client copying the, the agent um, and edifying the agent big time in that video. And then setting expectations with the buyer so the whale hears that. And they're like, whoa, that was really cool. Have your LP1 send an intro video to the client and copy the whale agent, edify them big, and then clearly state the expectations for the buyer. Um, LP1 can personally call the agent to introduce themselves as well. Um, they can ask them how they want to be updated and communicated with, and then have the LP1 repeat what they heard and ask them again. Um, Let's see. And then don't ever forget to have your team text the agent when they get that first opportunity. Have them ask the buyer to text the agent, letting them know that, oh, my gosh, I'm so grateful that you referred me to the Shudo team because they're taking great care of me. I'm so excited that, that this process is easy. Thank you again. So they can strategically text the agent and then most importantly, discuss when you have a whale and you get that first opportunity or going to a meeting or whatever, discuss it in your daily team meeting. So talk about initiatives around how we're going to land that whale or take care of that whale, tasks that need to be done to wow them, status on everything and communication on everything. So with that, you guys, I'm going to wrap it up. I have two minutes left. So does anybody have any final questions for me? Does anybody have any final questions? I've got about a minute and a half. All right. If we don't have any questions, oh, we finally got one. All right. I, I apologize for this, but what type of web camera do you have? You are almost too clear. So I use a Logitech one. I don't know, whatever the core recommends. So ask your concierge. That was, that was a good question. Uh, can I get a copy of your welcome package? Sure, reach out to your concierge and get them in touch with my uh, LP1. Um, what else do we got? It says, great call. Thank you. And how can we listen to this again? So I think this call is recorded. 
Um, your reach out to your concierge if you want to listen to it again. Uh, I think we'll record it and we can get it out to you. Am I right? Who's my moderator? You are correct. It will be uploaded. Um, so it, tomorrow morning we are able to send it out. Awesome, guys. Well, listen, I'm totally honored not only to be a coach within the core, but to give you guys some knowledge um, and, and the way I do things. I actually do have a couple more questions. I couldn't take notes. So is this available after? Yes, it's recorded. And then Vicki said thank you. So with that, again, you guys, thank you so much for attending this. Um, hopefully I was able to help you get a couple of nuggets to implement into your well prospecting systems. If you have any questions or concerns or want to get on a 30-minute call with me, just set that up with your concierge. Take care, you guys. Thank you for all the tactics, Brian. Everyone have a great day. Bye, guys.